Beneath the clothes, we find a man. And beneath the man, we find his nucleus. Hello, everybody, and welcome to A Hispanard. What causes division among fandom? It's a question I've been thinking a lot about lately. I am, for the most part, I would call myself a lurker when it comes to social media. I post from time to time. Sometimes I get into arguments, uh, specifically on Twitter, which is now X, but to me will always just be Twitter. Um, there's a lot of things that I've observe on there that are interesting. Obviously, there are things like algorithms, uh, some part of embedded in the programming of the said thing, whatever it might be, whether it's Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, where the more you engage with something, the more you get back uh, information about that thing. And usually it's geared towards a negative, meaning negative for you you know, as it's showing you an overabundance of positive from the opposite perspective of you. One example of this is, for example, uh, Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power, or the Wheel of Time. Anytime I engage with people that are talking about those shows, they are gushing with praise for a particular episode or a particular character. And the more you engage with those people in a negative way, meaning you're, you're pointing out whatever it is, you know, either show, both shows are hot, hot garbage. They do not live up to the spirit or the standards of the originals. And in, and in most cases, those shows are actually made as a, uh, a direct opposite of what the foundation of those shows are. When you start engaging with people in that manner, you start to see even more and more of that in your feed, which, you know, is a direct, uh, what would you call it? Uh, you know, it, it's just directly the opposite of what you would want. You think that as you're engaging with, uh, people that are over the top positive about those things, that you would kind of find your quote-unquote tribe, everybody that is more in line with the way that you see things, and you would see that pop up more, but actually the algorithm does the opposite, and it brings into your, you know, your views more and more of the people that are on the opposite side of you. So it's a, it's a tricky, intelligent thing uh, that is specifically made to uh, create more and more engagement and you know rather than positivity doesn't sell as well you know a, a negativity is is a far more potent um recipe for engagement when it comes to these social media companies and uh, you know you you figure that out pretty fast i think if you're paying attention 
And then once you are paying attention, it makes you a little bit more discerning as to how to engage, when to engage, who to engage with. Because at the end of the day, it's not an argument that you're necessarily going to win. And I see this across the board with everything, not just with, uh, you know, nerd stuff with, with uh, pop culture. But you'll see this in art. You'll see this in religion. You'll see this in, poli you know, political the all the the algorithm whether there's a specific al algorithm that is created for each unique set of these things that i just uh, mentioned or whether the algorithm is just a more generalized like oh there's negativity whatever it might be it doesn't even matter i'm going to feed into this negativity even more it is uh it, it does a really great job of doing that of of causing uh that friction that it needs to survive and and in fact to thrive which is, you know, it's something obviously that we're doing to ourselves. But it is interesting that, um, you know, if you desire this other thing, for example, you desire to only engage in and see positive things, that things that you consider positive and find positive, that that's not the thing that's going to be fed over your way. Um, which, I can totally understand why people would throw up their hands and just say, well, I don't want to, I don't want to engage with this anymore. I don't want to be a part of this anymore. It, it's too maddening. It makes me too upset. It, whatever. Now, <clears throat> I, uh, while I do understand this and I do sympathize with it, I don't think it's the right approach. I don't think it's the right approach to, uh, pull away from uh, social media and, uh, socializing in real life. Nor do I think it's a good idea to hide who you are and what you think and what you believe in. I think it's better for you and for everybody else around you. And I think I've said this before that it's better that I just know in advance what your intentions are, what your, what your intent is, what your thinking is. You know, if you don't want me in your business, I'd rather know that so that I don't, you know, accidentally or, or unknowingly rather give you my money. When I prefer to give it to somebody that actually wants me to be there, I feel that way about all things. Like if, if me believing in God is offensive to you, I'd rather know that in advance because then, you know, we can, we can agree at the offset that we're just not going to talk to one another or we're not going to talk about it or whatever. There's a lot of loaded things that come with that you know, with beliefs and ideas and points of views. Uh, now, I believe that society should be able to function with, you know, opposing views. I I wish that I could remember this guy's name off the top of my head, and I apologize, but I cannot. But I just recently heard his story. I periodically listen to Ben Shapiro. Yeah, I know super evil already i cannot believe alex that you would listen to you know that that fascist nazi you know it, it doesn't matter that the guy is uh a orthodox jew and that he's uh ultra conservative and against anything having to do with that kind of evil and hate but whatever anyway on his show he had this uh, gentleman on there who is uh armenian descent uh businessman i've heard the guy talk before on on rogan and then i heard him on uh on ben shapiro's sunday show 
totally worth a listen, in my opinion. The guy had a great breakdown about the things that divide us in society. And in his case, he's, t- you know, he's talking about Muslims, Christians, Jews, and the way that people vote. Really fascinating. He, he, he would do a much better job of it. It just came out uh, this past Sunday. I recommend you listen to it. The guy just, again, has a great perspective. You don't have to agree with him on it, on everything or anything. But one thing that is undeniable is the point of view that he's coming at with, you know, in all of this, where he's making a really great point that people spend a lot of time defending their teams and not looking at the greater whole of, of what actually is happening you know, and why we would be divided. What, who has the incentive to keep us divided? And that's something that I think about a lot when I'm thinking about fandom. Now, I also think, you know, and, and pop culture, I think a, a couple of different things. We, we tend to, uh, tend to miss the, the overriding truth. For example, Let's go with uh, with Disney. Disney's been losing a ton of money now for you know the last two years. Everything that they have put out has been a major flop. Why is that the case? If you read you know mainstream pop culture news, they have a lot of reasons as to why this is. One of the biggest ones being streaming. Streaming killed a lot of things, and streaming is the reason for you know the the decline of of uh, people going out to the movies now the truth is is that everyone is you know particularly parents and and uh and even teenagers are are more cautious about where they put their money you know you um there are certain things that become events like the barbie movie or puss in boots or the um what was it the Despicable Me Minions movie or Top Gun Two? You know, you you'll have certain things that that kind of break through and and become just this, you know, really financially in, incredible financial uh, success uh, for studios. But these same studios are putting out other things that just completely fall apart, you know, right before your eyes. And and why is that? It's, you know, it's the market and the market is bearing out saying, well, this thing was uh, something that I want to see. This is uh, something that I'm interested in. So I'm going to give you my money. But for these other things, I'm not going to do it. And it doesn't matter what anybody says, what Rotten Tomato says about the thing, what social media says about the thing. In fact, those two things don't correlate almost 90% of the time. They don't correlate. Uh, something can get absolute love, and I've pointed this out before. Uh, it's the uh, the San Diego Comic Con effect, where you can bring your thing to San Diego Comic Con, and it is you already have a built-in audience that is going to love the pop culture thing that you're bringing to it. So you cannot base your future success off of the impression that you're going to get from San Diego Comic-Con. In fact, it's a, it's an absolute negative to you to do that. Like, like be very cautious about what you think is going to happen with your movie, with your TV show based off of 
San Diego Comic-Con because San Diego Comic-Con might push 200,000 people through it. But that's not 200,000 people that are going to make it into Hall H. That's not 200,000 people that are going to make it into your panel. And that's not 200,000 people that are, you know, if, let's say all 200,000 people go see your movie. That is a drop in the bucket of the actual numbers of what you need worldwide in order to make something successful. But we have this weird disconnect. And, and the disconnect, I think, is bled over into the, the, the waking normal world where your average person is walking around, they don't have enough time to invest into looking into something. And so they just kind of take whatever they're given or they just completely skip it. Word of mouth, I, I believe, is still king. But man, we, you know, it's, it's, I guess in this regard, I'm talking to the people that just have this disconnect, this unsettled feeling about the way that things are and you know the the lack of excitement and and newness uh, you know we've just heard for example oh wait you know what i will have to come back and and start this over again later i will talk to you soon so the tiniest of pivots i know i was going on on a rant and then i had to pause and now i'm back a day later one thing that i've been so here's the the pivot uh thinking about society um there's two things that i see going on right now and you know primarily i, I talk and, and deal in pop culture pop culture uh, <clears throat> and uh but i think a lot of that is a, a reflection of the greater things that are going on in society for example, if you engage with people about pop culture online, it's the end of the world, you are the worst person, you are the best person, you are completely right, you're 100% wrong, you are a Nazi, you're racist, for blah, 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 whatever. And then if you talk to somebody in the real world, meaning at your work or, you know, at a coffee shop or with your friends and you guys discuss whatever the thing is. You know, the state of Star Wars, the state of DC uh, movies, the state of Marvel, uh, or a genre in general. Uh, you know, you, you don't get into these crazy heated debates. I mean, you might get into animated fun debates, but people aren't basically trying to dox you or attack you or, or you know, murder you with words, uh, you know, through, uh, <laughs> through some social media. Um, and that... I think, uh, you know, that's an accurate reflection of what is going on with everything when it comes to religion, when it comes to politics, when it comes to how you should raise your children, when it comes to schools. Now, there's definitely a ton of videos of people uh, actively doing something. And one of the ones that I will point out is, for example, the issues that are happening in school, which to me are super important. You know, I have little ones that are uh, currently school age as well as, as adults now that are in college. So <clears throat> from elementary school to college, if you're a parent, there should be a lot that you should be worried about. Um, one of the things that I've never really talked about here is the hijacking of the American dream. Uh, you know, my personal view is that 
there has been what people, someone a long time ago coined, um, what was the word? Infiltration. Basically, various points within society, there was a, uh, there, at some point, there became a concerted effort by a variety of groups that I, I actually will, I'll, I'll, I'll go so far as to say that where they were coming from was a good place in their mind, regardless of, of what the outcome ended up being. Now, every person did, did, that did this, did they have the best point of view in mind? No, but certainly the, what you would call the foot soldiers definitely, you know, believed in the, in the dream, believed in the, in the imperative, uh, believed that this thing needed to get done. And so what am I talking about? I'm talking about, uh, <clears throat> various groups that decide that it's in the best interest of society to, um, gain position and power at various things in order to affect what they would consider a positive change. It can't be as nefarious as the conspiracy theorists believe, because when you stop and you look at human nature and you look at humans in general, while there are some level of people called the elites, you know, people that have a lot of influence and power because of money, you know, there's not that many of them. And I suppose it doesn't take that many. I suppose in a way they could be like a rudder on a ship where it only takes, you know, one George Soros to steer the entire ship in one direction. I mean, the man, it's no longer a conspiracy theory that this guy has certainly infiltrated and affected cities all across America by purposefully funding two different uh, you know, competitors to a position like a DA, and he he does he does that to to clear the field so that there are only two uh, viable people available, and then he ramps up the extra cash for the actual person that he wants in office. This is actually documented, something that he's done over and over again, and he's not been shy about it. In fact, a lot of people have not been shy about their positions and their philosophies about where society should go sh should go and what society needs to be. I believe that this has happened all across the board in a variety of ways. Uh, there are people like uh, Valiant Renegade, uh, WD Pro, uh, you know, uh, uh, Neurotic, you know, people that I've, whose videos I've watched, I don't always agree with them on everything, uh, depending on what it is exactly that they're talking about. But They've been able to to uh, pinpoint it in a much better way than I'd be able to give it to you here. That um, <clears throat> there are incentives that were created at at one point in time. Uh, people with a lot of influence, or companies with a lot of influence, like BlackRock and Van uh, not Vanguard, but maybe it, maybe it is Vanguard. But at least uh, three prominent companies that are money lenders to uh you know a a, a variety of societies a, a variety of of companies in in our society they were able to add caveats to the money lending that allowed for certain things to make their way in on top of those guys you've also got things like uh black lives matter organization you've got the aclu you've got you know 
these different groups with different but similar goals that are all pushing for specific type of changes, which is where you end up getting, you know, in fandom, in pop culture, it's where you end up getting the race swapping of characters that were originally written as one thing, but now you've got a an alternate view or, you know, or, or an alternate uh, <clears throat> race playing that character, whatever that character was. Is it bad in every sense? No, absolutely not. In fact, there are plenty of times where it doesn't even matter. <clears throat> you know, there are plenty of times where uh, you wouldn't even know unless you were steeped in the actual uh, core of where that, you know, genre came from. For example, with uh, The Wheel of Time, unless you've read uh, Robert Jordan's books, there's a lot of characters in there that you would never know that, you know, that they are not uh, being portrayed by the original intent of the writer of, of the races that were supposed to be um, playing those characters. So, but, you know, let's put that aside and say uh, you wouldn't notice what is noticeable and what a lot of people do push back against is the quality and the and uh the uh what's the word here uh the fidelity to the source material so you you ended up having a couple of different things happen in regards to those the kind of changes that these various groups uh started to implement so uh what is it um inclusion diversity uh, and equality i think edi ed yeah e i i d e i d e is the thing that started to get uh pushed on to various companies for some things it actually you know it might have ended up becoming a positive where it, companies looked at the landscape and saw that their workforce was predominantly this, and there were equally qualified people that were that. And now, you know, you it, maybe it opened up some companies' eyes, and and everything got <clears throat> a little uh, things got a little bit more accessible for people. Maybe I don't know. I kind of uh, I'm kind of two minds when it comes to this stuff sometimes. But uh, that's that was one argument the other one is uh that you ended up putting people in positions that and as well creating positions that were a net loss to the company as a whole because now you did not have competent people in those positions and I, I, you know uh doing those jobs and i think a lot of that stemmed from the fact that you know you needed to quickly staff those positions so you saw that in writing for television and movies. You saw that. I mean, I talked about this before, but the quality drop-off between Thor Ragnarok, which was directed by Taika Waititi, and Thor Love and Thunder, it, it is an, an abrupt cliff drop 
of quality between the two. And I had to do some digging to go take a look and see what was going on. What what made Taika go from creating a funny, charming, heartfelt, action-packed, you know, Thor movie, the the best of all the Thor movies, honestly. What what happened from that to the absolute incoherent disaster that was Thor Love and Thunder? It, whoever liked that movie, you know, great, like what you like. But if you step back and you look at that movie objectively and you compare it to Thor Ragnarok, again, same person directing it, same sensibilities, you you have to admit that Thor Love and Thunder just doesn't hold up when it comes to story, when it comes to cohesion, consistency, when it comes to the the characters or motivations. It it's wild. And so, you know, I'm I'm sitting here scratching my head thinking, what is going on? Well, a couple of things are going on. One, Disney decided to do it on the cheap. I mean, that's that that, that cannot be argued. You know, they they decided to save money here in order to spend money there, but the money that they saved, for example, on the writers ended up being the very thing that destroyed that movie. So Ragnarok was written by three different, uh, or, or rather it was written with three different people, three different, uh, from three different walks of pop culture life. One was a TV, a veteran TV writer, the other one a comic book writer, and the other one a veteran uh, movie writer. So all three of those guys, along with Taika, got together and crafted Thor Ragnarok. And, I mean, you could just see, again, the brilliance of that movie. Thor Love and Thunder, very, 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 very loosely. Um, uh, 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 What's the word, man? I'm, a, I'm like, like I need my, I need my coffee this morning. Uh, uh, very, very loosely based on one of the most awesome Thor stories in the last recent years. I think uh, Aaron, but uh, man, I, I've got to get. I, I should get his full name, but uh, basically, uh, two two excellent uh, creatives. Uh, ended up making this this Thor, uh, basically like Death of the Gods uh, comic book that was awesome, uh, that had God, uh, uh, Gore the God Butcher in it. So it's it's very very loosely based on that graphic novel, written by by Taika and a woman. Uh, you know, a, a writer who has no credits to her name at the time of the movie. Like she'd written a couple episodes of, of some uh, TV shows, I think, but had no experience writing a movie, had no credits to her, you know, and, you know, can somebody come out of the, come out of the gate and write a really good movie? Yeah. Uh, 100%. There is something to be said about experience, but you can definitely come out the gate and write something really, really good. This wasn't it. And her and Taika, I don't know how they worked it out. I don't know who did the heavier lifting or whatever. But you could just see a bunch of story narratives fall off 
in, in you know as the movie progresses as, as thor love and thunder goes you never get back to this thing that they brought up or a lot of the action is done off camera or you have to fill things in yourself in order to make logistically make certain things work so again that just goes back to quality and i'm not saying that uh this woman was a diversity hire not my, because i have no clue i just think the thing that infected disney and a bunch of other companies is this mandate to run the company in this specific way um well and uh, you know there there's actually a bunch of different issues because the other one that has also hurt disney to the core is this the way that they spend money that's still a super head scratcher i i haven't seen anybody's good take on exactly what you know what the case for that is i don't know how you drop 250 million to make elemental a pixar movie that doesn't make any sense to me because it's not you know you're not paying the actors that's not where all the money is going the technology uh, i mean you know pixar claimed that they developed new technology to handle the way that the elements uh, we're going to be, uh, you know, we're going to show up in the movie. But I got to tell you, a three-year-old to 13-year-old does not care about how amazing the graphics are. That, and, and nor does a three-year-old care about story. You know, uh, they're looking for those slapstick moments. They're looking for the cute moments. It, a lot, you know, <laughs> a lot of that stuff was done way back in the day with Monsters Inc. and Toy Story 2 and 3, and you know, where you weren't rendering things out at the high quality level that they are now because a lot of the heavy lifting was being done by story. You know, not that those movies don't, don't look good, I mean, they still look good to this day. In fact, a lot of the uh technology that Pixar has been able to create looks excellent but you know 250 million dollars for a flop and it's not their only one uh turning red a flop you know the uh, uh all the stuff that, that in fact they're not even going to do any more original movies because those have been flopping so uh, instead disney announced that they're going to go back to the well and they're going to be doing sequels for a bunch of their movies that is a bad 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 sign it's a sign that says look we understand that you don't like these stories but we're still scratching his head our heads as to why you don't like these stories and that's the super head scratcher for me because i i cannot believe that uh, that no one in the organization has told them what the issue is somebody has to have sounded off already on what's going on that it's the quality of the stories as well as the things that they're pushing in the stories that are turning parents off and primarily this is what who you want to make happy with these things you want to make parents happy but going back to what's happened with a lot of these companies and the infection that they've experienced is that they've they have these mandates that they that have been put upon them that they have to push and because they didn't take time to slowly figure out how this thing should go and how to roll it out, 
Instead, it was, all right, well, we're just creating this new position right now. And we're, everybody's going to love what we make because we are whatever the thing is. Here's a Star Wars. Here is a Pixar. Here is a live action you know, version of the classic movie that you already know and love. And we know that you're just going to accept it and love it and shut up and give us your money. And what's happened is people have said, no, no, we're, we're actually not, which actually brings me to the thing that gives me hope and, and the thing about society. As long as people keep doing this, as long as people keep holding their dollars back, as long as people keep not going, like your things are going to suffer. Movie theaters are going to suffer for sure. Companies are going to suffer for sure. But the more this happens, the more that people hold back on these things, the more it'll signal, hey, something's wrong here. We need to change something. So in that, I have hope for sure that even though there's these things that are being pushed on society from governmental level down to business, down to schools, there are people that are pushing back. There are parents that are pushing back in a variety of ways. There's individuals that are pushing back in a variety of ways, uh, primarily through you know the, how they spend their money, but also by showing up to to school uh you know uh meetings and um and and not allowing themselves to to be kept silent so i i have a lot of hope i have a lot of hope um sometimes i feel like uh you know like the world's burning but you know at at the same time if i step back and i check myself and i look at things objectively I think there's a lot of positive that is still uh, going to be making its way down. I hope that I'm right about that. <laughs> I could be wrong, but I hope that I'm right. And um, anyway, I think this will be the end of the podcast. Um, yeah, let, let's end it here. Let's end it on a positive note of uh, I have a lot of hope for the future. I think, uh, you know, I, I tend to, uh, well tend to look at government and I think, you know, we're doomed. And then I remember now somebody else will come in and somebody else will, um, will try to appease the masses because they don't want their heads on a pike. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that is the, the, the way that the world, unfortunately in that regard works. But yeah, I think once you get enough dissatisfaction from uh, your society and they, they start to show it in a variety of ways. Then I think people for self-interest pivot, um, that's not, that doesn't solve the greater problem. Like there's still, you know, many issues in society, but I think this is a way to, to go. So I think the, the way that you vote, the way that you spend your dollars and, and the way that you interact with other people and, and love and, and care about others, I think will make a, a huge difference and definitely you know, breaking bread, spending time with family and with friends and, um, and trying your best to accomplish, um, you know, whatever the, those passions that you have inside you, that's the way to go. Like things that you're passionate about, follow those. If you have a faith, you know, continue to pray every day and just give thanks and, uh, for all the things that are in your life. And, you know, I think collectively we'll get through this together. So with that, I will leave you guys now. 
Thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, being with me always on this journey. I appreciate you. Uh, Drink your water. Take your vitamins. Eat your vegetables. Love you guys. I will talk to you next week.